spree. While we're turning there, I want to say a very happy anniversary to a special couple. Amen. To Brother Stanley and Sister Polly, 55 years they are celebrating today. Congratulations. She was telling various ones. Brother Stanley told me this morning, he said, she's told everybody. She said, I'm proud of that. Amen. And, uh, and she should be proud of that. So when she came in tonight, I shook her hand. I said, hey, did anybody tell you today's your anniversary? And uh, anyhow, she said, oh, I've known that. Hallelujah. But uh, 55 years, and uh, we're praying for many, many more. Amen. Many, many more. If you have that place in Scripture, Isaiah 63, we're going to start reading in verse number 1. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Amen. So much today, as God, as only God does, I'm talking from songs to things said to the way God just moving. We, we see it. We shouldn't be surprised by it. But God just, I mean, with, with the skill and the meticulous details that He just weaves everything together. I mean, it is just, it's just been a tremendous day in His presence. And I want to share... This word this morning, I wanted, to, I wanted to, if I had opportunity, was going to preach this this morning. And I thought, well, as the way the Lord moved and the way our altar service happened, I sometimes, Brother Danny, if, if, if God uh, moves in such a way, there's times you take, take that and maybe you put it on the shelf for a little while until God says, now's the time. But... All day long and even through the weekend, I could not escape this word that God has laid, I believe, upon my heart. And I believe it's just fitting. It goes in line with what God has been speaking and doing today. And I, I believe, I really believe that God wants to help and challenge our hearts. And we know the word of God says that his word won't return void. And whatever it's sent to do, it's going to accomplish that. And so I am not uh, uh, going to be at peace today until I deliver what I believe God has for uh, Victory Temple tonight. And when I say Victory Temple, even if this is the first time you've been here in a long time, just know that God ordained it for you to be here tonight. Amen. For you to be here tonight. But let's take a look at this, Isaiah 63, and we are going to read it verse 1. And if you're there with me, won't you say amen? amen. Now this is the prophet Isaiah and what he sees, what he is seeing in the Spirit. The Bible says, Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? The response, I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there was none with me. 
For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart. And the year of my redeemed is come. Now we're going to dig into this. And what you must understand is who Isaiah sees here coming out of Edom. It is none other but the Lord. But he is coming out of Edom with a task that has been accomplished and purpose for his people. And tonight, if we can, I just want to preach on this thought. And, and, uh, and this is, you just forgive Brother Jake because sometimes it's just the way my mind works. And the Lord, you know, deals with me or speaks with me. But I begin to read this and there's certain key things that were sticking out. And this is... Just what it seemed that the Lord was speaking to me, speaking to me about to share with the church. But I want to preach on behind enemy lines. Behind enemy lines. I want you to look at a neighbor tonight and tell him, say, God is at work behind enemy lines. Amen. God is at work behind enemy enemy lines. Can we pray together one more time tonight? Father, let your anointing rest in this house. Lord, I feel such a burden for this word tonight, and I pray that you help me. Lord, in my faults and failures and what I cannot do, Lord, I lean upon you and your anointing. I'm asking anoint my mind and lips to preach. Let your word come alive. I pray tonight let our minds be clear, our hearts open, our ears open to what you have to say. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Father, I pray, speak specifically to your children tonight. Meet us, I pray, in these altars and let us leave here different. And we give you praise and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. Behind enemy lines. Let me first start by saying this. Oftentimes, we are dismayed because we cannot necessarily see how God is fighting for us. We get dismayed because we cannot necessarily see how God is fighting for us. When we look at this, you have to understand that there are times that we look at the enemy's camp. And we know behind the structure, the fortified structure, it seems, of the enemy, that we hear the cries and we see loved ones and there are things and people dear to us and situations that are dear to us that it seems that maybe they are held hostage, Brother Gary, behind enemy lines. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do in the fact when it seems, I know it sounds right, I know it makes sense to us, especially being in the church and having been a part of the church, many of you, for a number of years, some longer than I've been alive. 
And so we know there's power in prayer. We know that God is at work. We know that God is doing things. But at times it seems that we find ourselves in a place as to where the, the, the stronghold of the enemy, that it looks fortified and forbearing, mocking anyone who would dare come near. There are times that we have in our minds that maybe our family situation, our marriages, our children, our loved ones, our state of mind, our situations, that it is on such a lot down and there are times that it might seem that uh, we are losing and hell is winning Oh, I know you say, Brother Jake, you're not supposed to say stuff like that But I'm just telling you tonight, it's the truth Anybody been there where you felt like you were losing and hell was winning? Have you been there before where it seemed like even though you know the scriptures and even though you understand and have an understanding of God's word, but there are times that it seems that people we love and certain situations and issues of life are so deep and buried under the muck and mire in the places where it seems that the devil himself stands guard at the tombs of what could have been and would have been. And is there any resurrection? You listen to the desperate pleas of a prayer service. You listen to prayer requests. You listen as mamas and daddies and cousins and loved ones are talking about situations. Situations that seem like, how are we going to find our way through this? How are we going to navigate? How is it that we're going to be able, amen, to get past the gates of hell themselves and be able to be at work and be able to rescue those we are trusting we are waiting we are worshiping we are fasting we are praying is anything happening we ask ourselves is he really working for my good. And yet there is that common call that comes to us. As God tells us and says, stand still and see. But I cannot see, Lord. Has there anybody been there where God says, stand still and see? But yet, God, I cannot see. I see problems. I see where it looks like the situation is worse. I see where it looks like sin is growing. I see where it looks like Satan's power is manifesting in stronger ways than I've ever seen before. What I've realized, it seems he's blinded my children. He's blinded my grandkids. It seems he's blinded an entire generation and culture who do not know God. Some that know religion. Some that know formality. Some that grew up in the church and religious demons are at work and making them think that all is well. We look at all of these things and yet God says stand still and see. Continue to trust. Continue to wait. Continue to worship. Continue to fast and pray. Oh the word of God says in Second Chronicles 20 and 17 
17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Exodus 14 and 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, ye shall see them again no more forever. My eyes are blurred with tears, and my perspective are skewed by doubts and fears. Lord, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? What are we going to do when God says stand still? We find ourselves feeling helpless. We find ourselves feeling hopeless. We find ourselves feeling vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. But Sister Laura, in my mind, I'm asking the question, Brother Larson, if God is saying, I want you to stand still here. And when we wait on the Lord, it doesn't mean we fold our hands, twiddle our thumbs, and do nothing. While we wait, we worship. While we wait, we serve. While we wait, we pray. While we wait, we fast. While we wait, we keep on preaching. While we wait, you keep on getting dressed and coming to the house of God. While you wait, you keep on giving. While you wait, Sister Haley will sing one more song. Anybody in this house hear me tonight? While we wait, God has called us to stand still and wait and see what he's going to do. And so in my mind, I say to myself, well, Lord, if you're wanting me to wait, then here's where we find ourselves all the time. Lord, you've got some explaining to do. What are you going to be doing while I'm waiting? Come on, <laughs> Come on here. Because let me assure you of this. Every time I see in the scripture, Brother Keith, where God is requiring, hear me. He did not say, would y'all pretty please just wait here. He commanded it. He said, stand still, wait, and see. Right? Just like mom and daddy. We was talking about Kinsley today, Sister Bambian. I mean, one day Kinsley was in here coming in the car carrier. And now they put her down and she could outrun anybody in this church. She went right past walking to running. And... Uh, and as a regard to that, she's, she's been on the move. And, and, uh, and, and, and when we think about these things, we're, we're thinking about, well, if I'm, if I'm waiting it out, I, I'm, not, I'm not moving. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing what I need to do. And so we complicate things when we're trying to get in the mix and we're trying to work it out and trying to see. And God, like a father, He has to call us sometimes. Did your daddy, brother Chad, 
bad ever get a hold of you and say, I want you to stand right here. You do not move from this spot. You do not go anywhere where I am not. You stay by me. I don't want you running crazy and going through. Can I say that right now in somebody's life, you are hearing the words, stand still and see. Wait right here and see. While you're waiting, keep doing what you're doing. But wait right here. And Sister Mary, God was dealing with my heart. And I said, God, even when I stand and sometimes I get impatient, sometimes I'm getting fidgety, sometimes I want to run to God's rescue. Come on here. You might as well say amen or oh me. I'll lock her down and just preach a while if I don't have your participation. Come on. We'll do what we, I mean, all this kind of stuff. Oh, but here's what I've learned, Brother Wesley. Every time that God says, you wait here, it means, Brother BJ, that God is somewhere else on the other side of things. You see, we are at a place. We often think that God sees everything the way that we see it, Sister Amy. There are times we think God is constrained to the same limitations we have, but no, sir, no, ma'am. God is able that while he has us waiting in one place, he's on special assignment. He has found a breach in the stronghold of hell's territory. He has found a place where he is able to get in and he begins to work even behind enemy lines. I want to let someone know tonight, it don't matter matter how dark, how much hell you're fighting, God's stepping right into the places where he told you to wait because he says, I'm going to bring a victory on your behalf. On your behalf. Hear me. Just because you and I are limited and we don't have the access to get in does not mean That God does not. Listen. This is what Webster says. About the phrase. Of behind enemy lines. Working in an area. Controlled by the enemy. On a secret mission. Behind. Enemy lines. You didn't hear me. I better read it one more time. Working in an area that is controlled by the enemy. But you are on mission. Or should I say in this case, God is on mission. Behind enemy lines. Isaiah said in verse number 1, Who is this, listen, that cometh from Edom? You see, Edom, the Edomites, were a terrible adversary of the Israelites. They were persistent and relentless in their attacks. And Isaiah says and proposes the question. I want you to, I've got, I can only explain it the way I see it in my mind. 
I can see Isaiah in the spirit. They called Isaiah the eagle eye prophet by what God allowed him to see hundreds of years in advance. But Brother Casey, I can see that man of God in the spirit. He's looking and he's looking through the haze and the fog. He's looking through the dark. He's looking through the smolder of hell. And there comes a figure walking out of Edom. Brother Noble, if he came from Edom, you can't come from a place that you are in a place. Hear me now. You can't come from a place while you are in a place. And while the Israelites were persistently attacked by the Edomites, Isaiah saw that figure and his song coming out of the camp of the Edomites. And he said he came like one who was in a designated apparel and he was traveling on his way out of that camp. And that word there, travel, is interpreted. He had his head back and I believe shoulders squared. And it goes on to describe it means to tip and to sway. Come on here. Some of you men, I know, I know those just don't sound real sanctified. And some of you real religious, you're going to sit on your hands and pretend you never saw a John Wayne movie. Oh, bless God. No, no, I've never seen the Duke. I mean, John. I mean, come on here. That'll, yeah, that'll be the day. Now, listen, here's something interesting. There was always conversation about John Wayne's walk. He had a distinct walk. Today's culture, and I, I don't know, this might, I don't know if this is a safe word to say or not, because I might partake of it as one thing, and, the, and today's culture might mean another, but if it's wrong, forgive your preacher, but I think some of you understand what I'm trying to say. They use the term swagger, right? Swagger. That's what the young kids say. Swagger. Shiloh, you ever heard that at school? Swagger. You got, see, I told you, our kids know. Got swagger. That means there's a distinction. They got to recognize. You got to strut. Come on here. Something about your clothes. Something about your apparel. But listen to me. You think I'm funny. There was talk about John Wayne's walk. They said that he had a distinct walk. And I had an opportunity. I was preaching revival in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows this, but there is a small town outside there of Des Moines, and it is the childhood home of John Wayne. And the family has set up a museum there. And you can go in, and just a little bitty old house, and you can go in and look at the memorabilia. They got stuff from the movies. They got co collectible things, certain things that only the family would have. And his uh, distant relative, who was uh, giving us the tour throughout the house, she said there was always a lot of talk about uh, uh, John's walk. They said he had a strut. They said it, you know, kind of like he was uh, uh, there was a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of cockiness with that walk. And she said the truth is, said John never practiced that walk. 
walk. He never, he never tried to incorporate it as an actor. It was just normal, said because John Wayne, who stood about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, he actually had very small feet for a man. And she said he was a little bit top-heavy because his feet were small. And said he'd walk in them cowboy boots and it'd give him a distinct walk. Oh, and can I say this? It ain't because God's feet are too small. It ain't because he's trying to reenact. But Isaiah said, I see someone coming out of Edom and he's traveling, said his head is back and his shoulders are squared. Oh, and it said he's tipping and swaying. What is he doing? He's walking, Brother Andy, like a conquering king. He's walking because he had been behind enemy lines. And the Bible said his blood, his raiment was stained like red. It was dyed like red. And they said, what about that garment? And he said, I have been treading out in the wine fat. In other words, I have put every enemy underneath my feet. I want to let somebody know behind enemy lines there's a Savior and his garments all stained by blood but all enemies destroyed under his feet. Isaiah said, I saw him and he came out and he came walking out of Edom said he had been in there and he had been fighting. He had been waging war. He was, he was, the scripture compares it to being, if you read some previous verses after our text, as if he was drunk on vengeance. The word of God reminds us, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And he is a jealous God. Hear me. I know that you sometimes at church we have this idea of a very gentle Jesus. Sometimes I'm alarmed, Brother Tobin, as how some will preach him almost as a timid Jesus. Oh, just he was just one going around and patting on people and doing this and doing that and these kinds of things. But Brother Larson, when we look in the Word of God, we know better. He was the Lamb of God who was calling devils out of folks who were possessed. He was one who was speaking to blinded eyes and they had to open. He would stand at a tomb and he had to use Lazarus' name specific. Or one fellow said if he would have just called the dead to come out, every dead man would have jumped out of the grave. I'm talking about a Savior full of power. A Savior who's fighting on your behalf. Oh, in today's society, they want a limp-wristed, weak, effeminate Jesus. And he was anything but. Well, Brother Jake, that's not politically correct. Well, you might find another place to listen to preach, and I'm not going to be politically correct. Come on here. He was a mighty conqueror. He is a mighty conqueror and king. Hear me. Isaiah later said... He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I preached and reminded you before that if there was a king that conquered other lands, they would strip the robe of that other king and they would sew it to the back of that reigning king. 
and the longer a king's train was signified his authority signified his power and brother Gary it signified how many enemies he had conquered and Isaiah said I looked and I saw that train and it filled the temple come on somebody you ain't hearing me preach tonight in other words he is the conqueror he's the overcomer I want to let somebody know right where you are wait and see because God is at work behind enemy lines hallelujah hallelujah now for some of us it's not enough to know that he's there fighting on our behalf somebody in here wants to know how he got in there somebody in here you got keys on you can I borrow them I won't make any copies Somebody wanted to know how he, somebody said inquiring minds want to know. Listen, there's been a breach in the enemy's stronghold. When we see this, I want to remind the church, and I want to serve notice on the devil, that you can't keep God out. You hear me tonight? You cannot keep God out. We talked this morning briefly about the specifics of prayer. And I said this morning, I said, some of us aren't seeing God move, not because He doesn't want to give and because He doesn't want to answer, but because we're embarrassed to ask. We are afraid. It's too big. It's too messy. It's too great. And I want to tell you here tonight that as we look at this, I want you to realize and recognize that the power of prayer, when we quoted it tonight, that He can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. Think about what's impossible. Think about the one who needs saved and you think they can't get saved. Think about that one that needs deliverance, but you don't know if there's a program good enough to get them delivered. You don't know if there's help enough to get them. Think about the marriage that's in such turmoil. I mean, it's headed for divorce court. It ain't looking good. And yet, you I mean, no matter what, no matter what you try to do, you understand as the devil, one of his tactics is intimidation. And he stands at the gates of hell and says, you can't get in here. You can't overcome there's no way that you're going to see these delivered and rescued but you see a long time back there was a savior who got the keys hallelujah the word of God said keys of death and hell keys because he overcame I want to tell somebody in what I cannot do in my power brother Wesley I've got a savior that when I begin to pray the Holy Ghost is dispatched the Holy Ghost is on the move God is at work I don't care brother Eddie how far gone how much wicked how many tarot cards how wicked it gets when you begin to pray the Holy Ghost says hang on a second The Holy Ghost says, hang on a second. When the family says, I don't know how. I don't know how they're going to get in. I don't know how they're going to come out. And God says, hang on. I got a key. I got a key for the door. I got a key to get in. I got 
key to make it. I got a key. I can go in. I'm going to go in behind enemy lines. And I'm going to put them under my feet. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him glory. Our greatest problem is too many times we're fumbling around with our stuff. What am I going to do? Right? You're beating your head. You've knocked, knocked your shoulder out of place trying to get in. Come on. Let me just say this. You are no match for the devil in and of yourself. You're not. But that's why I need him in me. If I abide in him and he abide in me, one of the greatest errors of the modern day church is we've quit preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Everybody gets all bent out of shape and all on edge about it. I don't know. I ain't going to be one of them tongue talkers. I ain't going to do this. I ain't going to do that. Be careful because I'm going to tell you right now, Sister Amber, there are some things in your life. It don't matter how much you believe. It don't matter how much you know. You must be filled with the Spirit. You must be baptized. Oh, and Holy Ghost and fire. Well, Brother Jake, we're going to argue the doctrine of that. You ain't got to have the Holy Ghost to be saved and I didn't say that you get, you get, you got to have the Holy Ghost do this and do that no listen here's what I will tell you I can't drive down the highway they got garbage posted on billboards there's stuff everywhere you turn I need the Holy Ghost going in the store I need the Holy Ghost just to go and make it through every part of life but I'm telling you we need a fresh baptism of fire and we need to know that there is access and power that comes from on high to break the bonds of sin and Satan hear me he said I've got a key he said you see what you can't see I've already He said, them demons and devils and enemies you're worried about, he said, I've already been in there taking care of them. I've already been in there. I've already went before you. David the psalmist said, thou art before me, and thou hast been beset behind me. Come on, somebody. He told the Israelites, he said, take a look and see. Those that are following you and pursuing you right now, he said, you ain't going to see them tomorrow. You ain't going to see him tomorrow. And the Bible says that the cloud of God set right down between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And while it was a light for the Egyptians or for the Israelites to go through the Red Sea, it caused confusion for the Egyptians until they ran themselves in the middle of that sea and God drowned them all. I'm telling you there was some old timers that would preach things such as God is a killer and it's a terrible thing for a sinner to fall into the hands of an angry God. You're angry. You're frustrated. You don't know what's making sense up from down or in from out. I want to tell you your heavenly father is fighting on your behalf. He's jealous. Vengeance is his. He will take care of every 
enemy. Every one of them. Hear me. And let me just interject this. I don't think maybe I need to say it. But for the sake of clarity, just so you know in this walk in life, let me remind you what Paul said. That your enemy, it is not flesh and blood. See, I've got to clarify because in our human nature, we think of some enemies as the people that we got a problem with. And we start saying, yeah, God, get them, sick them, destroy them, make their life miserable. Come on here. Hear me. Hear me. Jesus said, you want to really upset your enemies? He said, do good to them. Pray for them. He said, if you want to get them hot-headed, he said, it'll heap coals of fire on their head. Come on here. They won't understand. They won't understand it. So let me be very clear. We're talking about spiritual things. I know there are some people who are tools of the enemy. I know that there are those who allow themselves to do the devil's work. Hear me. I'm not saying anything unbiblical. It's scriptural. But I want to remind you tonight... That no matter how fortified, no matter how intimidating the strongholds of hell look, there is one, our Messiah, we find in Matthew 16 and 19. He says this, because he has the keys, he said, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Revelation 1 and 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Brother Eli, how is he going to get in there and rescue those that we love? He's got access. And while you're praying... Come on here. I want to let somebody know. You praying in the Holy Ghost. Paul said with groanings and weeping and things going on inside. You don't even understand it. Said it's the Spirit of God making intercession. On your behalf. Praying the will of God for you. Because he that searcheth the Spirit. He doth know the mind of the Spirit. He knows the will of God. And so what happens sister Amy. That brother can run as long and far as he wants. But when you got people praying, God's got a heavenly host that's making his way. He can sit inside of a prison, can he, Brother Eddie? He can get inside of a hospital room. He can get behind. Come on here. We was talking a little bit this morning. They've got, they, they say there are 100,000 Soviet soldiers that are ready standing at the Ukraine border. And, there are, there, and, and so people are staying away from that area. They don't want there to be any provocation. But I'm going to tell you something. It can look like there's a hundred thousand devils in hell surrounding your kid, your baby, your loved ones, your mind. Oh, I think of the man of God. The servant came out and he said, oh, we're in trouble. We got big problems, man of God. <clears throat> said they done showed up with horses and chariots and knives and Guns and shields, and they didn't have guns, but they got all that stuff. And the man of God said, Lord, just simple prayer. 
Lord, won't you open his eyes? I'm paraphrasing. Won't you open his eyes and let him see what we see? And Brother Pick and that man, he said, go back out the door. And he went out that door and his eyes looked up to the hills. Doesn't that sound familiar? I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And he said that surrounding all of that valley, he said there were chariots of fire and horsemen that were there ready to attack. I'm telling you, and where were they, Sister Laura? They were behind the enemy. They was at work behind enemy lines, Sister Karen Kelly. They were behind enemy lines. I want to tell you, Victory Temple, may God open our eyes and may he help us see what heaven sees. You might see a baby going out of control. You might see a wreck waiting to happen. You might see disaster on the horizon. But brother Danny, there's a God in heaven at work behind the scenes, behind the enemy lines. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, listen. Listen. Brother Danny, if you'd come, Sister Haley, if you'd come, we find here the prophet asked that one who came out of Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling, walking like a conqueror, head back, shoulders squared, his garment stained red. Wherefore, he asked, art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? He said, I've been trodden down the wine press. But that was symbolism of the fact, he said, I have overcome the Edomites. And later he even says, their blood has stained my garment. You know what my mind went to, Brother Corey? The Bible tells us there's going to be another day when every eye shall see one who comes on that horse and all of heaven with him. And Brother Larson, the Bible tells us this. It says in Revelation 19 and 13, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Listen to this. Does this sound similar to what Isaiah saw? And he treadeth the winepress of fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. They led him up to Galgotha's hill. He had been scourged, mocked, blindfolded, beat with a reed, punched in the face, beard ripped out, crown of thorns pressed into his skull. He gets up there. He's hanging in an open shame, his body unrecognizable. Roman soldier grabs a spear and thrusts it into his side. And the Bible says blood and water gush from that wound. A bloody, a bloody place of sacrifice. He shed his blood. 
But you know that same blood that washed us and saved us and cleansed us, it's the same blood by which we overcome our enemies and our adversary. He said, who is this one with red apparel? John the Revelator said, it is the Word of God whose vesture is dipped in blood. Oh, friends, I want you to know tonight, Sister Gwen, he's working behind enemy lines. Sister Amy, he's working behind enemy lines. Sister Kelly, he's working behind enemy lines. As a matter of fact, I want to tell somebody tonight, the praying, the fasting, the waiting, the seeking, the serving, the worshiping, you've been there waiting. God is telling you to stand still while he is at work. He's already been there. He's already been there doing what needs to be done. And he comes from that place. That's why, that's why Jesus also declared, he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail. I have heard preachers preach that in the sake of Sharing that like it was we were on the defense. But listen to it. It is because the church is on the offense. And let me just tell you this. You living for the Lord, the seasons of life, preaching this gospel. We all in a relationship and walk with God. I'm going to tell you, you're going to find yourself in hell's territory more than a time or two. But Sister Kimberly, that is not for the church to be on the defense. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. No, it's the, it's the church on the offense that when we are going into hell's territory, no matter how fortified, no matter how strong the gates, Jesus said they will not prevail. They cannot withstand. They cannot make it. He said, matter of fact, I, yeah, I've got a key on the ring for them gates. Let me just tell you something. That devil you fear, he ain't even got the keys to his own house. He don't. And we got a Savior. Take a look, man of God. Take a look, woman of God. And you're going to see our Messiah. You're going to see our Savior. Look out. And here he comes. From the places, the deepest, darkest places. But he's going to bring with him victory. Bringing with him victory. Because the blood still has power. He's still the conquering king. Can we bow our heads all over this house tonight? Father, I thank you and glorify you for your faithfulness. And Lord, tonight I am so glad all power in heaven and earth belong to you. I'm so thankful tonight every promise, every place of the word of God. We know it will be fulfilled. Everything that you said you would do, that's exactly what you will do. And Lord, tonight when we look and wonder and we can't see how you're working, let us believe and know and understand you are working behind enemy lines. There are things going on, operation that's going on as to where you're reaching and dealing, convicting and drawing. You're breaking the chains of sin. You're wooing by your spirit. Help us, Lord, in the waiting to continue to be faithful. Help us to be willing to endure. Help us to realize and understand the promises. I pray tonight, God. That the Holy Ghost would make revelation in somebody's mind that they recognize and realize that you are right now at work.
right now, you are at work. And so, Lord, let us believe. Lord, let us release that faith, that power in us, so that you might do the exceedingly and the abundantly and the more that we could ask or think. Lord, I believe the tide is turning. I believe there's going to be some reports of victory. I believe that there's some tonight, some prodigals, some that are tormented by demons and devils, some that are living in fear and anxiety, some that maybe had a place in their life where they wondered, could I be reached? Could anybody help me? And I'm, I pray tonight, Lord, even now, as we agree together as a church, come on, church, right now, can you just pray? Right now, in your own way, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to call on the name. Call out the names of those you're praying for. I want you right now to begin to just call upon the name of the Lord. I want you to call them out. I want you to say, Lord, you see them. You know what's going on. You see how they're afflicted. Lord, may Maybe it's for you. Maybe tonight it's your family. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your mind. And right now, I want you to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm believing you to be at work. Would you rescue me? Rescue me out of hell's territory. Lord, I'm believing for you to be at work even now. I'm trusting you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, let somebody see and know tonight. You're at work on behalf of your people. If that's us tonight, church, I want somebody that believes Him. I want somebody who's going to trust Him. I want somebody tonight who's going to say, Lord, I know You're already there. You're already there working behind enemy lines. You're already there. I told you already, God's been just speaking a, a theme. There's been a common thread in this service all day. He's wanting you to know He's victorious. He's wanting you to know that He's able. If that's you, come on. I want you to come and find a place in this altar. I want you to come right now. Some